like Ron said, it all comes back to risk because as you prove the concept, as you prove land investing, as you're making that money, the trust goes up. The more trust goes up, the risk comes down. So like everything else we're talking about in this podcast, Ron, it really comes back to risk. I mean, anytime you tie money with investing, it comes down to risk. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we help you unlock your potential freedom through land investing, real estate investing, and entrepreneurship. Hey everyone, this is episode 113 of the Real Estate Investing Podcast discussing how to pay for your land deals. I'm your host, Daniel Apke, joined again by my brother and business partner, Ron Apke. Before we get into the show, let's go over a question from one of our featured Discord members. Today's question is from Q. Q asked, what is the success rate of people who joined the course and who actually sent mail and are getting deals? Really good question, Q. And the main thing that I see from people who don't make it in this business is just lack of consistency, Daniel. I rarely, and I don't have a success rate in terms of percentage. So if you're looking for that, um, I'm, I'm not going to have that answer exactly because I don't know every, there's a lot of quiet people in our community who are making hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. I know that for a fact. And there are a lot of people who are maybe outspoken and not making as much, but um, the success rate, I'm not going to know exactly. But the thing that I realize of people who, stop this business is just lack of consistency. They send mail once, they try to evaluate their results, they say it doesn't work. And it's kind of like a personality thing. And it's hard to get over because it is something that a lot of people do. Like you try something, maybe you try working out for two weeks and your body doesn't change completely and then you quit, whatever it is. Uh, it's going to be consistency. Everything is consistency. That's how you become successful in this business and most things in life, honestly, Dan. Yeah, exactly. The people who are sending out mail are typically successful. And the people who aren't successful from those sending out mail are the ones who sent out one mailer and stopped. You send out multiple mailers, you're going to get deals. Once you get a deal, you see that it actually works. And then you keep sending mail because you like money. Um, but yeah, the consistency is the biggest part of this business. But other than that, Ron, let's get into today's show. We're talking about how to pay for your land deals. Ron, why is using other people's money so important? There's quite a few reasons. Um, one, because it, it puts less risk on you. So if I'm getting deal funding on a piece of property and someone else is paying for it, there's less risk on me. I'm not saying I want to give people bad deals by any means, but it helps you scale. It kind of almost sounds counterintuitive, I think, when people first hear us talk about this. Like if you're deal funding, if you're getting a deal funded by someone else, you're giving them some profits. So how am I supposed to scale like that? But in reality, you're going to run out of money at some point. So deal funding make you can do unlimited deals if you have unlimited money from other people if you can if you're only willing to use your money you're going to have a very limited amount of deals you can do so as you scale up as you're doing 10 20 deals a month whatever it is 30 deals a month there you just are not going to be able to pay for this all yourself it's a it's a matter of time before you're going to need to use other people's money. We like telling people from the beginning, like get some deal funding partners, build those relationships and go from there. Exactly. And like Ron said, like you will run out of money, whether you come in with $50,000 or $500,000 or $5,000, you're going to run out of money because as you scale this business, your acquisitions grow more than your sales typically, Ron. So you're acquiring more, you're sending out more, like first month, maybe you sent out 3,000. You got a couple of deals. Great. Next month, you send out 5,000, you got some deals, but now those 3,000 are on the for sale side, right? You bought all those 3,000, you're selling them. Now you have 5,000 5, mailers hitting. You're going to be buying more than you bought when you had 3,000 mailers. So as you scale your mail and scale your volume in your business, the acquisition side generally scales 
uh, is the first thing that needs to scale for your business. So your acquisitions is going to be greater than the amount of properties you have for sale typically. So what happens is then you run out of money because you might have, you know, $50,000 of property to buy, but you only have $20,000 in the bank. And there's a lot that we're going to get into in this discussing how much you should fund yourself, how much you should use others. But at the end of the day, Ron, I know people who are successfully running their business off 100% other people's money, which is crazy. It's a strategy people do. Um, we typically like to diversify, do some deal funding that we're going to get into here, but some banks, some traditional family friends diversify. But we know people who are very successful and they're using 100% of traditional deal funding. So it's just very, very important to build those relationships to scale up your business. Do you have anything to add to that? Why it's so important, Ron? It's just like people people come in and have a couple hundred thousand dollars and think like, yeah, there's no way I'm ever going to need someone else's money. We had a medical doctor who had a couple hundred thousand dollars and I think his first mailer, he got like a $150,000 deal that he was buying and he bought it himself. I asked him like, do you need deal funding? He's like, no, I should be good for this one. And now he's like out. Like now it's like all these other deals that are coming back for him. He is needing deal funding on, which is fine. Like that 150 grand, he's going to make a hundred thousand dollars, but how fast, his, uh, it's not savings because it's, it's an investment. It's a smart investment if you're putting money into the right land. Um, but uh, it's just crazy how fast like you can go to zero, not go to zero your business, just go to zero with the money you have in the bank if you fund all your deals yourself or try to. And the alternative, Ron, what you don't want to do is stopping your mail to get your money back, right? Because if you, you can't send out mail when you don't have access to money because you're not going to be able to acquire deals. So it's like if you only want to use your own money, then you have to stop sending mail. If you want to keep scaling and building your acquisitions, you're going to have to lose, you're going to lose some profit to deal funding, but that profit's greater than just sitting on the sidelines waiting for that other money to come in. And that's the most important thing of that, why it's so important, I think, Ron. Let's get into like people here. Maybe they know what land investing is. Maybe not. Maybe like we have a ton of wholesalers in the group. Maybe you guys are wholesalers. Let's talk about what traditional deal funding is, Ron. Uh, also known as like a joint venture in other in other industries and in land investing. We just call it deal funding. You'll hear that term thrown around a lot in our Discord if you guys are in there. Let's get into that, Ron. Yeah. So traditional uh, deal funding is a profits, but we buy to clarify and start go back a little bit, Dan, so they understand like we buy every piece of property that we uh, are purchasing. We buy it. We're not wholesaling it. We're not flipping. We're not flipping it off the market, whatever it is before we purchase it. We're putting our money up or putting a deal funders money up and getting the deed in our name. Um, so what it looks like if someone, if we bring someone a deal with traditional deal funding, and we're saying hey, there's going to be some kind of profits, but I'm going to say, here's this $20,000 uh, piece of land that I'm buying. I think I can sell it for 50,000 relatively quick. Are you interested in funding this? They say yes. And then we're going to have some kind of profits, but on the back end, they're going to uh, uh, front all of that $20,000. Let's say it sells for 50 and it was a 50, 50 profit split. I'm going to get $15,000 back. They're going to get $35,000 back because they're going to get their 20 and then the $15,000 profit. Uh, if it was a 50, 50 traditional deal funding split, the splits differ based on the deal, based on the person. So there's so many different parts to that, but that is the thing. There's very little risk on my end getting the deal. All the risk is on the investor, on the uh, funders end. That's the beautiful, beautiful thing about it. Like there's, there's no risk besides you burning uh, investor relationship, which you don't want to do. We're going to get into re uh, relationships in a little bit, Ron. But that's the most important thing is build, building those long-term relationships with this business, Ron, because people look at it like, let's get the cheapest money right away. The thing is, as you build trust, you build relationships, traditional deal funding gets cheaper over time. Um, it's more important a lot of times the speed and the reliability than the actual 
dollar amount because it's going to pay for itself, Ron, whether it's you're using, for example, we deal fund ourselves, Ron, and some of the best feedback we've gotten from deal funding is the amount of knowledge we provide on the front end for the deals, where to list it. A lot of that profit's made up just from our advice the first couple. Then we get the trust up with them and we drop the rates, Ron. Um, so the more um, experienced land investor, typically the, the less risky it is for the investor, therefore they're going to be able to give you cheaper money because expensive money goes with risk, right? It's like alternative bank loans for a house, alternative mortgages versus someone who has a three-year corporate job. The risk goes up when you don't have that reliable corp Fortune 500 job around. Maybe you're an entrepreneur. The risk goes up to the banks. So it's more expensive money. You got to look at it the same exact way with this, I think, Ron. Yeah. And talking, I'll touch base a little more on this side before we go to the next topic. But with traditional deal funding, if you are getting funding from people or how I look at it as a funder, like we want speed, like it's not always about price. Like if we buy that for 20 and they list it for 50 and it sits on the market for four months and then they lower the price to 40 and then they sell it for 35, I'd, I'd much rather have them just sell it really fast at 35. And I was talking to someone this morning, Daniel, like, and they, it was a deal that we funded for them. And they listed at like 35 to start. We bought it for like 10, something like that. They dropped it to 29. And I told him like, I don't care about what we bought the property for. List it at a price that it's going to sell out. I tell our salesperson all the time, it doesn't matter what we bought the property for at the end of the day. It matters what the market is willing to pay for the property. We made the decision to buy the property for whatever reason. Usually it's a good one. Um, but uh, at the once we buy it, like we just got to list it and market it and sell it based on what it's actually worth and what the market is willing to pay for it. Exactly. And I was actually touring a house last night, Ron, and we were doing the math. We're like, okay, they bought this. The flipper bought this for 350, probably put a hundred grand into it. They're in 450. It's listed for 530. So we're like doing the math like that, or the the realtor was, and I'm not bashing anybody here, but in my head, I'm like, the, the market's the market. Like, I don't care what their money is. Yes, their sentimental value, and they might be very less likely to drop the price because of that and take a hit. But at the end of the day, the market's the market and the market doesn't give a shit what what you put in the deal. The market's going to tell you what's going on. I'm glad you brought that point up, Ron, because that's... On, on the reverse end of that, Daniel, you'll see buyers where we had one in particular. It was a crazy deal. Uh, we, we bought it for 30 and we listed it for like 260. We had someone day one offer us like $80,000 and they quote that we bought it for 30. Like, I don't care that we bought it for 30. I'm going to sell it for $200,000 plus. And that it works on the reverse. And those buyers will sometimes see what you bought for and try to leverage that. Maybe you'll take some of those offers. Um, but I'm not, I, I tell them the same thing. I don't care what I bought it for. It doesn't affect the market at all. What I bought it for. Um, this is what the market is uh, selling for. So this is what we're trying to sell for. Yeah, I like that point. So the, the, on the reverse side, and, and we use that on the reverse, reverse side now, Ron. We use that, our salespeople use that when they're buying, we know what they bought it for and maybe they bought it for $20,000 and we know that. And we're like, we're offering you 23,000. You just bought it for $20,000 two years ago. So you're making it, so we know that because we know how valuable, even though Ron and I are saying it doesn't matter, like the market's the market, we know in people's head, it does matter. Like the sentimental values there, whatever that is, like that's in their head. They don't want to lose money on it. So therefore our salespeople use that as leverage as well. That's funny how we just brought that around, Ron. Let's get into some. So now they understand what traditional deal funding, joint venture, whatever you guys want to call it is. Let's get to some, you know, fr family and friends, Ron, raising money, other alternative ways through family, friends, alternative banks, all that stuff. So with, uh, with deal funding, how we just talked about it, there's very little risk on us. 
I'm sorry, on the manager. So we call the manager the person who found the deal. There's very little risk. They didn't put any money up uh, after six months or whatever the deal is and you don't sell it, it's going to be deeded over to the investor typically. That's how it works. The investor, the manager is not going to be out any money other than some transfer costs, stuff like that. Um, but the huge risk is on the investor. So with other methods, whether you're getting family, friends, you can still use that traditional deal funding format. You want to you want to build the relationships with them and let them know like the success rate and prove it to them. Like we did a lot of family and friends at first, we gave them really good rates. They made a ton of money on our deals. We didn't care because we were, it was a proof of concept thing for them at that point. Uh, and then once you keep on doing that over and over, you lower the price point, you get a little cheaper. They know you can perform. You've already made some money for them. Uh, so that's if you keep the traditional deal funding method. If you want to get to a different method, you can do a straight ROI buy this deal for $20,000. If whenever this deal sells, I'll get you a 15, 20% return on your money. It's not going to be based on what it sells for No matter what, when it sells or some time period, I will get you 20%. So that's a more traditional, I don't want to say traditional again, because that's what we keep saying, but that's more of a banking relationship, I guess, Dan. Yeah. So going to family and friends and raising money with a fixed, fixed rate based on the principal. That's, that's an option that's safer for people who don't know the land, you might want to go that route for people who don't know the land investing business and you don't want to do the profit, although you can show them the results. The risk goes up as as the return goes up. Typically, the risk goes up, Ron. So if you're splitting profit, that's riskier because it's not a guaranteed back to the investor. So therefore, it's going to typically the profit split is going to be greater than the fixed ROI, typically, not always. But you can also run go to and everything you just talked about, actually, one second. So everything you just talked about goes back to risk, right? So the investors didn't know, our friends and family didn't know what land investing was. We're like, hey, we have land investing. Do you know anyone who's interested? This is what we do. This is our success rate. Give them a little spit pitch, see who's interested in investing, all that basic stuff. And then as, like Ron said, it all comes back to risk because as you prove the concept, as you prove land investing, as you're making that money, the trust goes up. The more trust goes up, the risk comes down. So like everything else we're talking about in this podcast, Ron, it really comes back to risk. I mean, anytime you tie money with investing, it comes down to risk and the risk profile. But there are some more riskier ways to raise money, Ron, like banks. Banks will, you can get money from banks through the Small Business Association if you've been around a little bit. You can go to private banks. You can really find unique ways. You can get line of credit, Ron, to really, really take your business to the next level if you want. The problem is with that is one, it is cheaper, but two, the more risk is going to be on you. They are attaching that to Daniel Apke. They're attaching that to Ron Apke. They're attaching that to another rental property to make sure they're safe. They are not just letting that float on that land deal, Ron. This isn't floating on that land deal. This is floating on our business. So all of a sudden you can't fulfill, you can't pay them back. They're going to be coming after your assets and speak with attorneys, lawyers, whatever you want on this, but that's just a general idea. Yeah, and I think the best way to do it at first is like everything, in my opinion, the best way to do it, everything should be connected to a deal. If you start getting $100,000 loans out and stuff like that, and you're using it for marketing and stuff and other things, that's when things can go wrong, in my opinion. If you have your own money for marketing and then you get a $100,000 $100, HELOC or something off your house and you have a deal you can buy for 50 and sell for 120, something like that, um, 
that obviously makes a lot of sense. It's going to be really cheap money with a line of credit on your house. Um, but it's also risky. Like you got to realize what you're doing. You're taking a hundred thousand dollars out on your house. If you can't sell that land, you're still going to owe the bank that extra hundred thousand dollars. Like your mortgage is a hundred thousand dollars higher than it was yesterday. If you did it. Um, I, I really like Daniel and I know we're talking about different alternatives. I really like using people who are in the land industry for your first five deals or something like that. Three to five deals. If you start going to family and friends, like one, it's a whole relationship aspect that you can screw over. Like you don't want to screw over your family. You don't want to screw over anyone. But at the end of the day, like someone who's educated, like if you came to us, I'm going to put responsibility on myself. Uh, if I fund that deal and it turns out bad, unless you help withheld something from me. Uh, if you go to family and friends, like they are just trusting in you, honestly, and it can become really nerve wracking on your side. It, it works out most of the time if you do your due diligence and stuff. But I, I really like using uh, uh, land specific people at first. I, I assume you feel the same way. Yeah, it's a good point because we see like people will bring back bad deals and they all think in their mind it's not it's it's a great deal. And then we find out there's not access or something around. There's no legal access to the property. Yes, there's physical access. There's no legal access. So we look at it differently. All of a sudden, they don't take that to a land investor who won't see those things. They take it to their dad or their cousin or whatever. And they're like, hey, $50,000, great deal. It's going to sell for $120,000. That's with legal access. We found out there's no legal access there. You wouldn't have known that. So it, it works both ways. Like we're taking responsibility, like Ron said, on that deal. We're not going to come to you if it makes a horrible return. If you told us it's going to sell in you know, a month at X amount at $200,000 and it takes eight months and sells at $100,000, I'm going to hold that against you a little bit in my head. Just know that for next time. But at the end of the day, the responsibility is on us to see that, to look at the market, to do our due diligence, all that stuff. And then all of a sudden on the flip side, Ron, if someone brings us 10 deals and they under-promised, over-delivered, and we made more money than we expected, they sold faster we're going to be like, oh gosh, Bob is a great land investor. He knows his stuff. He hasn't been wrong. He's gave us ton of great deals. They sold on time, gave us all the details. We're going to ask less questions. He's going to get easier money. He's going to get cheaper money. It works both ways, Ron, which takes me into the next thing I want to talk about is long-term relationships. Yeah. I mean, I think this of all the topics we've talked about, like I think this is the number one thing. Like if you're in this business for a long run, which I hope you guys are, if you're in this situation, this business is going to be a, around for a long run. Hopefully you guys are around to invest in it and everything like that. Um, these long-term funding relationships are so important. Taking care of your partners, funders, investors, whatever you want to call them is crucial. And it's when you screw over one person, you're not just screwing over one person. Like I want you guys to really keep that in your head. Like if you screw over us for one there, we talk to so many other people and like, it's known like people get blacklisted in a community when they lie about due diligence or stuff like that. We do our own due diligence every time we fund someone's deal, at least the initial few deals. Um, but if you're dishonest about stuff, we are going to trust you on certain aspects of it, whether it's a realtor opinion, you make up a realtor opinion. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, it's, uh, there's a lot of risk in doing that stuff. And if you, like I said, screwing over one person is not just really one person, Daniel, that's kind of the main point. Yeah. You'll get blacklisted. And like Ron said, this is an industry that's going to be here for 20, 30 plus years. This isn't going anywhere. It's buying and selling land. It's extremely sustainable. It's going to be around forever in my mind. And by screwing over one person, you get blacklisted. Everyone knows that this is a small, this is a really small community. There's not that many people doing a mass amount of deals out there. There's so much room for growth for everyone, but 
like we said, like we have meetings, we are extremely knowledgeable in the land investing community, Ron. Um, if, if you screw over someone else, they're likely going to come to us and tell us about that. And then we're going to communicate that with other people to make sure to protect other investors. Cause at the end of the day, we want to provide more freedom to people. And to do that, we need to protect people, protect investors, protect members, protect the community, Ron. That's our goal. Like that's what we're trying to do. So that's why it spreads like that is because other people want other people to succeed at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I think that hits the nail on the head. Honestly, it's, it's about being honest. And like, if you, if you get your first, a lot of people get so excited about their first deal and they try to force it, um, and pitch it to one investor, one investor that is knowledgeable says, no, uh, I don't like it for X reason. They go to the next person, they say no. And then they go to a third person who maybe is brand new in the community, just looking to put their money somewhere. And then that person gets screwed over. Uh, that's how I see it. A lot of times I'm not saying if I say no to a deal, I'm not saying do not pursue that. I'm just saying that deal didn't fit us. I I'll usually give you a pretty good reason why we couldn't fund it. Um, I just did this morning. I told I told um, the member, I said, you might be able to find fun funding somewhere else in the community. I just don't think the margin or the land makes sense for us at this time. And we have so many deals coming to us so we can be a little more picky, I think, Daniel, because like we want to make sure the deals are the right ones. And we, we, we invest in certain types of land, but I don't know. It, it, that's the main thing about this building long-term relationships, making sure you're taking care of your investors. Don't think about two months from now. Think about five, 10 years from now and what that partner could be, especially if they have a lot of money. Like They can be a huge part of your business. Yeah, they can be the bank, the investor backing all your growth. Like it's it's incredible. Like don't don't think so narrow minded with this on just getting a couple of deal, deals here and there. If you're trying to scale to millions of dollars, you need millions of dollars of people backing you. So build those relationships. They are going to come in handy. Not only this month and next month, but in years to come. So that wraps everything up, Ron. Any last comments? No, I think that was really good. And it's uh, the reason why we want to talk about this in so much depth is because this community is growing so much. Uh, so just be making you guys aware of deal funding as a whole, how we do it. You do not need money to come in this business other than for marketing. Become an expert at finding good deals. Everything else will fall into place. Completely agree. Well, everyone, as always, thank you for joining. If you guys have already not, please, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Send this episode to a friend who you think can benefit and give a review on Apple Podcast. It really helps our business grow and spread our mission. We really, really appreciate it. Other than that, thank you for joining and we'll see you next episode. Thanks, guys.